Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, one of your clap. Nice. Very nice. Thank you. Okay, now I will. All right. Good to go. <laughs> Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. A place where pop culture creatives discover design icons that make us tick. And we share a few cocktails in the process. Yep. We can argue that most, if not all, successful companies pay attention to what they put into the world. Their product, brand, customer experience, and other touch points are their calling card. Today, we discuss what happens when companies do everything right on paper, but the results end up turning out horribly wrong. The cocktail served during today's happy hour will be a mix of craft and humility with a hint of failure. Get the bartender's attention, place your order, and join us once again here in the bar. Okay, Todd, we're kicking off season two. We're back at the bar, and I'm happy to be sitting belly up at the bar with you once again. Absolutely, Ellie. It's been a while. Um, thank you to our listeners and our friends who emailed us suggestions during our brief hiatus. And we've got some great ideas coming up in season two. And especially today, pretty interesting uh, topic, huh? Yes. Okay. All right, Todd. So let's jump into our guessing game like we always do. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you a couple hints. I'll tip my hand a little bit. We are in a bar, so I only thought it was appropriate that I do something involving a beverage. Okay? Okay. All right. So so we know it's a beverage. Easy. All right. Easy. So as you know, um, we've talked about our respective ages before. I am firmly and unabashedly smack dab in the middle of Generation X, right? Right. So I'm on the I'm on the forefront of Gen X. You are. Well, I'd rather say that than a boomer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The only uh, what what would be a a beverage for boomers? I guess it would be what Pepto Bismol or milk of know, magnesia. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Almond milk. I don't know. Anyway. So when we think about Gen X and we think about a beverage, uh, <laughs> what what pops into your head? So, okay. So I'll, I'll also, this was when like Gen X, this was back when Gen X was hip. So this was when Gen X oh. was the demographic to market to. Like we, we are now, you know, the forgotten demographic. Right. So uh, you, you got to give me a year, like uh, or mm. a okay. range of years. Okay. So, uh, 
1990, like the mid 90s. So like 94, 95, that, that oh, okay. era. Yeah. So, um, so like it's, it's recent enough that you would remember it. Or hope. So, well, I don't, you can't remember what you had for lunch yesterday. So. Right, right, right. Um, speaking of milk and magnesia, but <laughs> w- is that, are we talking about New Coke? No, New Coke was 1985, but okay. there is a tie in to New Coke that I'll talk about Ooh. in a few minutes. Okay, okay. Uh, soda. All right, compared yeah. to Gen X, yeah, I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm a little lost. All right, you're, one. you know, I'll, I'll give you another hint here. So, it's getting marketed to Gen X. So this was right around the time the movie Slacker was coming out and all that sort okay. of thing. So yeah. think about like uh, underground comics and some uh-huh. of the underground comic artists that were really popular during that time. Okay, and Soda, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. With those two things, I don't know why you haven't figured it out by now. It's yeah, so obvious. Yeah, I mean, all I can think of, you know, are the sort of weird flavors like the the Mountain Dew blues and reds and all those crazy flavors that they were introducing. But I, I can't really think of a major soda manufacturer that had a launch back then. So the closest I think it would have come to Raleigh would have been Atlanta. So that might be another hint, at least in terms of the company that uh, launched this product. Oh, okay. So it was a Coca-Cola company. Um, sounds like it was an offshoot, kind of the a beginning of the of the craft movement um, for soda. Oh, okay, soda. Yes, yes. And it's one of those things, if, if they had sold as many uh, cans of soda as they had won design awards, they probably would have done pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Elliot, why it took me a minute to, um, to remember that is, um, is here in North Carolina, it's known as Okie Dokie Soda. So <laughs> that's it, right. That's right. <laughs> Thumbs up soda. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was all over the place. It was in kids, again, this is pre-internet, so it was in all the printed design annuals. I mean, it won a bunch of awards, and the cans were super cool, too. But what do you have? So our, our topic today, of course, is a lot of design, like a lot of resources have gone into things, and in spite of that, design... Uh, you can still go from hero to zero, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting uh, that you picked a OK Soda from about that time period. Mine is much newer. And I'm going to tell you it's a technology product. OK. And uh, I'll even tell you that it's from Google. Um, so, you know, they're barely getting by. So this was a desperate attempt. And... Uh, <laughs> which is not unusual for technology products to have a lot of hype for launch, but not always work. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, this was a... If I say it's a wearable, you'll get it right away. Oh. So don't say that. We'll edit that part out. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. When you're talking about products, I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind are products like... um, like the Newton, for example, you know, from oh, Apple. Oh my that, gosh, yes. Yeah, right? Like, so it was way ahead of its time. But of course, you know, Apple, 
even back then, you know, they poured all these resources into it, but it was just very, very clunky, you know, the handwriting recognition and stuff. Yep, so I know it isn't yep. that. And then those guys, of course, went on to form Palm and the Palm Pilot. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, but it sounds like it's not that. Much later. Either. Much okay. later. Um, uh, is it um, is it Jawbone? Is it that fitness tracker from Jawbone, the oh, up or that's whatever? A, that's a really good guess. No, um, no. This, uh, this. If you remember um, back, sort of in the um, uh, 2010, 11, 12, 13, um, lots of talk around the idea of uh, we people being um, being the cursor for. Um, for information, like getting the uh, internet off of a computer into other things like voice recognition and Mm. such. Would this have something to do with augmented reality? It, it did a portion of it. Yes. Would, would there have been perhaps a portmanteau of this product's name and the word asshole? Yes. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk a little bit about glass holes today. Okay, so obviously, (laughs) ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Google Glass. All right, well, so mine uh, that I brought today is a little, you know, kind of probably highbrow technology, interesting, has a bit of a story uh, of marketing failure, but I don't know much about OK Soda other than what I saw on the shelves and uh, uh, in marketing. So I'm eager to hear you tell me more about that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so if you're Coca-Cola and you're still sort of licking your wounds from the failed uh, product launch of New Coke, you've, you know, boomeranged back to the original Coke formula. And mm-hmm. the guy who launched New Coke comes to you with another product idea. What would you do? <laughs> Kick his ass out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coke did exactly the opposite. They welcomed Sergio Zyman with open arms. Nice. <laughs> and so he came in and he had this idea, this beverage idea for... <laughs> a new cola product marketed basically at Gen X slackers. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, so here's here's the deal. This this is what he figured out, right? So, he was working with Widening Kennedy, you know, the famous ad shop out of Portland, right? And uh, they they were hired to to basically market this soda. So they're looking at trying to figure out what to name it, mm-hmm. and they started to do some research, and they determined that. The most second well-known English language phrase in the whole world is the word Coke Mm. because of Coca-Cola. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And cocaine. What are the two letters in the middle of the word Coke? Uh, Okay. Oak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oak. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I never. You know what? It's interesting. I never uh, put that together. Yeah. Cool. Okay. (laughs) I know, really. And that uh, can surprise nobody. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are, folks. 
Yep. And uh, but okay happens to also be the most well-known English language phrase around the world. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, here we are. So it's sort of like the hidden arrow in the FedEx logo, right? Like, so here's yeah. your Easter egg. It's kind of hidden in plain sight. Right. So Wyden Kennedy figures this out. So they have their approach in order to market this thing, right? So they, they get these two guys who are naturally in this Gen X demographic, a couple guys in their 20s, a mm-hmm. guy named Peter Wegner and a guy named Todd Waterbury. Mm-hmm. And they, they're going to be the ones who are going to create this thing. So Wegner is sort of the copy guy. So he writes this brand manifesto. And then Waterbury hires the artists, the underground fanographics comics artists Mm -hmm. that are going to put these portraits of these slackers all over these cans. Um, So the artists are Daniel Close, um, Caliph Brown, Charles Burns, and David Cowell. So you guys, everybody out there, Google these guys. Their work is absolutely incredible. They were very popular then. They're popular now. And then they got um, their creative director at the time, a woman named Charlotte Moore, to do the can layouts. And Mm -hmm. the can layouts are super cool as well because they had this very limited color palette. It was just Mm -hmm. black, white, silver, and red. So Mm -hmm. it was super duper cool. And then each of the cans had a unique design. So like as a design artifact, these cans are amazing. I want to get into that more in a minute. I want to, speaking of design, hear the backstory about Google Glass. Here's a little bit about Google Glass. And, you know, I... I'm going to say the headline is that it was both ahead of its time and behind its time uh, when it was introduced. And I'll give you a a little explanation. So this was part of Google X, part of a Google X initiative. And those are the initiatives for people who aren't familiar with that, um, that are designed to improve life by a factor of 10 instead of 10%. So hence the X. So, as I said earlier, wearable technology and self as cursor and getting the internet off of the computer screens was all the talk in the um, early teens of uh, 2000, of this century. And Google initially launched their prototype to a so-called group of glass explorers in 2013. Now price tag on this bad boy was $1,500. And so if you aren't familiar with Google Glass, what it basically is, uh, and this is a real overly simplified description, is uh, it's a display with smartphone capabilities made into eyeglass-like shape that you would wear on your face like eyeglasses. So it became widely hyped Uh, and available after the glass explorers, it became widely available in what they were calling an open beta in about the middle of 2014. So at that point, the cracks started to show in sort of the product itself. Now, obviously, it was an interesting idea and it had a lot of possibilities. It definitely had a lot of what if factor to it 
But unfortunately, they discontinued the beta just six months after the open beta was available due to privacy concerns and reported bugs and low battery life and being banned in public spaces. Yeah, I think people were kind of using them or could use them for very sneaky things, right? Yeah, well, it made making porn a lot easier, you know? Um, because, yeah, I mean, you could just follow people around. Yeah, like, weren't weren't they scared of people using them in, like, dressing rooms and retail oh, stores? Oh, yeah, and, and restrooms, like yeah. 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 Yeah, they were outlawed in bars. And so here's... Hey, kind of like where, us. <laughs> so we're glass holes, Allison. <laughs> um, so and, yeah. And, so, and, you know, if I remember, didn't Google basically... So, like, you know, because you were initially part of this open beta or this, this beta program, they basically, like, by calling it that, even though you paid 1500 bucks for these things, weren't they still Google's property and you had to give them back? Yeah, so it was it was sort of a um, a trifecta of loserness all kind of coming <laughs> together there. So first of all, it was it was fifteen hundred dollars. So it was a premium priced item. Um, it definitely had bugs. It caused privacy concerns. It, you know, it was it was ahead of its time in. Um, helping us understand privacy concerns that we didn't know we would have to worry about. Sure, Someone yeah. wearing a camera into the bathroom. Um, and uh, it was a little on the, let's, how we would say, not cool side, um, in that if you were wearing them, it was pretty clear that you were wearing, um, you know, a, a miniature computer on your face. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it was uh, the beta was discontinued um, for those reasons I mentioned, and it just was not living up to the hype um, that Google was putting out there and some of the glass explorers were putting out there, um, as this was literally being called the next revolutionary uh, technology. Now, I'm gonna say that this could have been a real death knell for this particular product because big fat launch and then sort of zero blam right into the side of the hollywood sign um (laughs) you mean you don't you mean the hollywood land sign the hollywood land sign yeah (laughs) but google persisted and you know good on them for that they launched another iteration of it that had some design let's say tweaks to it and up now until May 2019 Google had announced that the Google Glass Enterprise Edition was launching so we don't hear from Google on Google Glass in a big way in a mass market way they've really sort of pulled um, the circle together and helped redefine what the future of Google Glass was now you're probably saying to yourself, Elliot, hold on, that doesn't sound like a failure, right? I mean, that's yep. kind of like yep, technology exactly. advance. It sounds like um, a few people uh, gave them some valuable input on the prototype. Yeah, it's a beta well, program after all, yeah, right? Except it was not sold like that. It was, again, it was... Um, They got caught up in the marketing and instead of being realistic and saying this is a working prototype for the future and keeping the circle small, they hyped it as a finished product 
and gave it a huge sticker price, as I said. So again, what you have is this product that has this air of high-end, super premium price tag, but it was really kind of still buggy. And I, I shorten it like this. It was a very cool tactic looking for a strategy. Mm, I see. Yeah. So, and, and so I'm, I'm not the only genius that has said this. Um, IDEO CEO Tim Brown, who, you know, I mean, I have to watch what I say all the time around him, of course. I'm kidding. Obviously, I don't know Tim Brown. Wish I did. Um, but he had a really cool quote that said, Glass's problem is that the technology today simply doesn't offer anything that average people really want, let alone need in their everyday lives. It's an interesting idea. Nice to look at but not really thorough. Yeah, it's a solution looking for a problem. Exactly, exactly. Todd, speaking of flops and failures, I just realized I failed to get the bartender's attention. Okay, Elliot, while you're doing that, let's take a quick break. Join us back at the bar in just a minute. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, while we have your attention, if you want to learn more about us and the podcast, there are a few ways to do it. Visit our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. All of that is spelled out. No numbers. Kind of a long URL, so do yourself a favor and bookmark it. Once you're there, you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode, our episode archive, and information about both of us. Wait, we do want people to visit, right? Well, oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well. And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling, tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend, we can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. (laughs) That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us. In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done? We're done. We're done. So, I want to hear more about OK Soda because it sounds like there's some drama on the line with that. And I'd like to know more. And then uh, I can wrap up uh, Google Glass telling you where it stands today. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, Wyden Kennedy, this ad agency, calls these underground illustrators, you know, because they need to have this street cred, this slacker street cred. Who better to do that than this handful of uh, 
you know, these illustrators. And so Daniel Close, you know, you probably know him, Eight Ball Comics, the movie Ghost World, which is one of my favorite movies. Maybe we'll talk about that again at some point. (laughs) He was asked later, like, why he decided to do this. And he basically, you know, because the whole idea of this, of course, is it's Coke. It's the man. It's corporate America. You're Mm -hmm. this underground artist and you're selling out to this corporate client right so when close was asked why did you do this he's like it paid well far more than i was making with my comics i think he said it uh it was paid more than the last like four comics projects he had done combined wow and also he loved the idea of being subversive and doing Mm -hmm. something for Mm -hmm. coke where some of it could be, um, some of the subversion could sort of be hidden in plain sight and he could stick it to the man. So, for example, <laughs> the character that he drew, he made sure that it had a face with the eyes and the nose uh, of the vacant stare of Charles Manson, <laughs> 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 which I think is amazing. <laughs> I think that's brilliant, yeah. And then, so I, I don't even know if he ever, until that interview, like I'm not sure he ever told like the Wine and Kennedy folks that. <laughs> you know, I think he just sort of did it, and if they didn't catch it, so be it. Um, then the copy, the copy itself was very surreal and very subversive. So it centered around their whole campaign. This was printed on the cans. This was in like radio ads. I think it was TV spots and all this stuff. You know, so keep in mind, this is pre-internet, right? There are print ads. And it was all centered around these coincidences and these very unprofound, profound sort of quips, right? So here's an example of one. So again, this is uh, ad agency slacker speak. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Buckle up. This is, this is my moment. All right. Well, this is, this is climbing up up onto the podium. Great. This and this is right in your demo. So this is yeah. This is this is the voice of authenticity right here, Todd. Okay. The ninety-first tried OK Soda. Rick B of Aurora, Colorado, put a full can under his pillow and went to sleep. He dreamed he was crawling through an endless gravel pit, parched with thirst. When he awoke, his thirst had disappeared, and he felt strangely satisfied. Note: (laughs) the can of OK, still unopened, was empty. This is only a coincidence. <laughs> so, okay, this is great. Sounds like fucking ghosts. Yeah, it does. yeah, it's like man, yeah, it's like hey, we're giving you this haunted soda. You drink yeah. up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he woke up with a pillow in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was yeah, he had a ball gag in his mouth, and he was chained up in the, in oh the, my God, in the basement so or something. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's totally surreal, right? Um, So then, as I mentioned a moment ago, this is pre-internet, right? So Mm -hmm. how do you make this interactive? Like, how do you know if this is actually working? Uh, Well, hello, Todd. You have an 800 number that people (laughs) can call, okay? Of course. The the number was 1-800-I-FEEL-OK. I haven't called it recently, so I don't know where it goes today. (laughs) But if someone wants to call and report back to us, that would be amazing. Do you think Coke is working on another soda as we speak um, that's called I Feel Meh? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Catered to the Jewish slacker population, the meh, or you know, the the French slacker, kimsikum sa. You know, yeah, Yeah, I don't know. You know, the existential dilemma of, you know, hand rolled cigarettes and. I I didn't quite get why would I call the eight hundred number. You know, I think because you had to report your own coincidences, like your own experiences with the soda. Oh my God! They did. They totally took the brand 
a manifesto of OK Soda from the movie Slacker, didn't they? So apparently, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Apparently, Wegner, the copywriter, he was reading books on, like, Dada art and all this different stuff uh-huh. and just assemblage and nonsense and putting different things together. So it was the anti-advertising advertising campaign. So these guys mm-hmm. were kind of in a pickle because... Gen X, as you know, you're part of it, I'm part of it. We've been marketed mm-hmm. to our whole lives, right? We lived mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. 80s when brands exploded. I mean, Todd, you and I offline, not not in this podcast, we've talked before about Coca-Cola clothing and all these sorts right, of things, right? right? So it's like, you know, kind of like you were mentioning earlier with Google Glass, where it's like you are the computer, you are the cursor. In the mm-hmm. 80s, it was very much you are the billboard, Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you go into the 90s and, you know, if you're a college kid or just out of college, you just think all this stuff is straight up bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. you know, you totally have your guard up. You're not going to try to even receive any sort of message. So another thing. So there were TV commercials mentioned that a minute ago. Yeah. We'll have some links on our episode page to, to TV ads. There were also chain letters. Now, <laughs> who they sent what? these to and how, like, I guess. So there were these test markets, right? So they, they looked at, like, where, like, hipsters were hanging out. So, like, you know, Seattle. Think about, like, Reality Bites and all right, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Denver, Austin. So the closest that came to me was Cincinnati. I don't remember Cincinnati being any kind of Gen X slacker haven, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um Uh, You know, maybe Columbus, I would think, with Ohio State. But Cincinnati was chosen, and uh, Cincinnati it was. But I never saw the soda in the flesh, unfortunately. So this was launched. So Sergio Zyman, the the genius, the the beverage luminary I mentioned earlier. So this was launched in July 1994, and it was gone like a fart in the wind by September of 1995, right? A little over a year, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. so it's, it's... Totally, totally crazy. So, basically, at the end of the day, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't work. Yeah. And so, so naturally, we have to unpack like, what are the reasons this didn't work? Um, and then the the reasons apparently are manifold. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we go. We can we can start to jump in here. So, basically, in 14 months, so a little over a year, um, mm-hmm. a million cases were shipped. And you know, and you think, wow. Okay, a million cases of anything, that sounds pretty good, right? Mm -hmm, Like, I mean, mm -hmm. if you or I start a beverage company and in 14 months shipped a million cases, we would be ecstatic, right? Mm -hmm, So I mm -hmm. went back and I did some research on this. And I was thinking, how many cases of beverages were shipped by Coke overall in North America? Uh Uh-huh. So give a wild guess so if a million cases were a failure yeah how many collectively how many cases of coke and i'm just talking about the united states and the caribbean i'm not even talking about canada and mexico okay just in the north uh well united states and caribbean um for i'm sorry did you say a year yeah one year and specifically 1994 oh okay uh well i mean if if a million is a flop it would have to be Easily 100 million cases. 1.6 billion. What? 1.6 billion cases? And that's in not a year? global. That's the US and the Caribbean. Damn, we some sugar water drinking folks. <laughs> yeah. So now you start to understand that's a rounding error for Coke, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, the, and all the attention and um, 
the the hype that they put into OK Soda, I imagine they weren't expecting it to be a little sort of hidden craft brand. They wanted to get some uh, uh, some big news out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't want this to be like the Sam Adams of uh, <laughs> you know yeah. beverages, yeah. right? They wanted this to go big um, because at the time Gen X was just coming into all their buying power, right? Right, right. So this this leads to problem number two. <laughs> uh-huh. Because it was on the surface so silly, the demographic it actually appealed to was Gen Y. <laughs> so oh, like no the little kidding. brothers and little sisters of Gen uh-huh, X. Uh-huh. But the problem is these kids were all too young to actually buy anything. <laughs> so they loved the way that it looked. And it was crazy, you know, because probably if a lot of the ads and stuff were a lot like kids TV shows or something. It's like probably like the Pee Wee's Playhouse of uh, beverage commercials. Right. 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 You know, they were just like, ah, oh, this is Dada and kind of abstract and non sequitur. OK. Whereas, you know, Gen X was busy, you know, listening to Pearl Jam and Nirvana and just didn't and care. Hating, you know, they were everything. Man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. OK. So, Todd. Reason number three, Uh speaking of Gen X. All right. So I'm going to dig back. I'm going to roll back a little bit to our buddy from our... um (laughs) <laughs> from our poster episode. Yeah. I should say specifically your buddy. Yeah, yeah. Your buddy Shepard. Yeah. Oh, Shepard Ferry. Ferry, yes. Yeah. So he felt that the whole OK campaign was co-opting his Obey Giant campaign. No All right? kidding. Really? <laughs> yeah, because you think about it, there were these like large portraits of people. They were looking out, and instead of Obey, it said OK in this big, bold, Hmm. sans serif type. Mm -hmm. Again, limited color palette, red and black, Mm -hmm. like I talked about. His, uh, a lot of his artwork was red and black. So two of the test markets happen to be um, Providence and Boston, Uh (laughs) which is where at that point he hadn't moved out to the West Coast yet. So, you know, he went to RISD, so like that was his part of the world. So he would vandalize (laughs) the OK billboards and ads he would see. He created like wheat paste stickers Uh and in the box, like so the logo was this, the letters OK in a rectangle and he made obey in the same typeface and he would paste it in the same box oh, nice. and then over the illustration he would paste an illustration of andre the giant <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice. gen x again kind of taking things into their own hands yeah. it was so great all right now <laughs> and this is really the main reason right uh, at the end of the day, it tasted like shit. Oh, no kidding. So, what, like, yeah. So uh, you, do you or? remember when you were a little kid and, you know, you had the opportunity when it was a novelty to go to the soda fountain and fill it yourself, you know, fill the cup yeah. yourself. Yeah. And you would like, there were like, you know, eight or nine or 10, there was like root beer and orange drink and Coke and this and that yeah. Sprite. And, and you'd and, make a suicide. Yes. With all so of them. that, yeah. believe it or not, that was what the flavor profile of OK oh Soda God. was inspired by. <laughs> so it was like the leftovers of everything else. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. It was like they interviewed um, guys your age, 
and said, you know, what do you remember about your childhood when you went to a skating rink? Yes. Well, I would, I would have a dollar and I would have to buy a soda, but I couldn't decide which one. So I got a, a little bit of all of them. And then with the <laughs> leftover perfect. money, I had a melted snow cone and I dumped that in the cup too. Yeah. And they're like, genius. Right, right. Sergio, you are still a genius. <laughs> so uh, another swing and a miss for our friend Sergio. Um, now, I will say, though, as I mentioned earlier, the design and the writing, and we'll have samples on our episode page, it was great. I mean, yeah, Todd, yeah. I'm sure you remember it. It won a boatload of, of design awards, right? It was in yeah. communication arts. It got like a DNAD pencil. Um, you know, these guys all got paid, as I mentioned earlier. It was just amazingly executed. But at the end of the day, it was just... The craft was mm-hmm. great, the tactics mm-hmm. were poor, and the product itself was just straight up terrible. Interesting, interesting. So, so there's some similarities with Google Glass, and um, the one thing that is different, uh, I imagine, because of the time period, OK um, Soda probably had uh, some pretty big cultish-like following, right? Because it was it was a soda that spoke to, to people. Yeah. You, I'm sure you can't get it anymore, right? Well, so occasionally, so it's funny, when I was doing research for this episode, I found a guy who still had kept a can for like 25 years. And this might be <laughs> the ultimate surreal irony. When he went mm-hmm. back and unearthed the can, it was still sealed up and much like that uh, coincidence copy I mentioned earlier, it was in fact empty. And his thirst was quenched. <laughs> I think he was just super <laughs> confused because the can was still unopened. But yeah, it uh, stuff still does turn up periodically on eBay. Um, I have found, uh, I found things like, um, and I'll, I'll post a picture to this. There was like an original, uh, okay, promo pack that Uh came from uh Coca-Cola, like with an envelope and these decals and yeah, I mean, they were going all out. There was some cool stuff for sure. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, let me put a, uh, a little period at the end of where we are with Google glass now, uh, much like, okay, soda, uh, it was theoretically um, should be a, a huge success. It caught sort of wind of the times. It was uh, seemingly solving a, a, a problem. And okay, Soda's case, a brand issue, a belonging problem. Um, in Google Glass, it was um, freeing you up to, to see more, do more. Um, but again, as you talked about, there were multiple uh, reasons it failed, and I've already said those. Basically, it was not really meant for mass consumption. Uh, it was expensive, and um, it was intrusive. Anyway, not at that particular moment. Um, it was, as I said a little while ago, Google was both behind the times and ahead of the times. But it'll be back. Um, the 
company re- did a release. This this is where we should have the uh, the Jaws theme music start. Okay, okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> or Terminator. I'll be back. It'll be back. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, the company did a release in May of 2019 that said the second version of its Enterprise Edition model um, is in the works and would be out. And the pair of glasses are advertised as a risk-free means of increasing productivity in the workspace. So uh, the way that they are approaching it now is not for you know the common guy who's wearing Google Glass, the common glass hole wearing Google Glass out to a bar and trying to look hip and cool while also looking pervy. Um, but <laughs> it gives you a screen that allows employees to multitask uh, without turning on to a phone or another program or another computer. And it also now has, uh, as you started in the beginning, it has augmented reality and virtual reality capabilities, um, as well as improved processors and cameras. And they have partnered with eyeglass designers to make them a little bit more fashion forward. Now, that remains to be seen because, again, they sort of jumped in the fashion world early, but realizing that Google Glass was not a fashion statement. But nonetheless, they have gone back and really redesigned it from a lot of different aspects. But I can imagine that this, while probably not commercially available anytime really soon for you and for me, but I think it would gain a lot of popularity and serve a great need to folks like surgeons or engineers or uh, people that fix highly detailed um, machines, people that help uh, design circuit boards, things like that. Things where as part of your job, you have to take in and you have to uh, understand lots of information at a time without being distracted. You know, as you're talking about this, two things pop into my head. I'm going to go back and I think Terminator is the right music choice because it sort of sounds like that's what the display <laughs> is going to be. Or it's sort of like Neo in the Matrix where you need to, yeah. in a pinch, learn how to fly a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Good one. Good one. Um, so those are a couple things uh, that I saw tie in our magnificent flops episode together and you know there are plenty other products out there that fit into this category some that uh i I want you to name one and i'll name one and i'll start by saying new coke oh man okay i'll i'll counter your new coke with crystal pepsi which i've actually had i did have that when i was in college did yeah it is uh, nothing to write home about okay um do you remember the Mac DLT and the Arch Deluxe? Yeah, I mean, that was Jason Alexander's big uh, coming out, right? He was in the yeah. original Mac DLT ad. Yeah. Yeah. Some the of these. Packaging. Yes. Uh, you know, a couple, couple of these, of course, we, we mentioned earlier, like, you know, the Newton and Jawbone. But, mm-hmm. uh, of course, there was, you know, the Segway. Like, that kind of ended up going going nowhere. It's, that was my Segway pun, you see. Oh, oh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, some of my other favorites, too, um, and we'll post uh, pictures to these because I don't think you can buy them anymore, is Coors Rocky Mountain Sparkling Water, which, you know, you're selling water with the beer name, and you're wondering why people aren't buying it. <laughs> um, and then one of my <laughs> Harley Davidson perfume, which, oh, my God, the fuck does that smell like? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it probably then, smells like an airport runway or something. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> um, and you know, one of the all-time best flops, hyped flops, is part of a of a MacGuffin and uh, a movie the, that uh, is part of pop culture. You know, Back to the Future. Yeah, the DeLorean. So yeah, uh, yeah. I actually know uh, a woman here in Winston Salem whose brother owns six DeLoreans. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I remember visiting the um, the lot where they were selling DeLorean, and um, the salesperson was kind of, I mean, obviously, m- me and my family didn't look like we would be buying a DeLorean, but the salesperson was really into telling us about it, and um, it was stainless steel, if I remember, mm-hmm. and he said if it got sort of a nick or a scratch, you just would take steel wool and, uh, you know, get it out. And my dad being a car guy, the idea of taking steel wool to a car, it, 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 he almost curled up in the fetal position. Uh, I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he probably like projectile vomited on the salesman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, Elliot. This has been fun, and uh, I feel like I I learned something today. So (laughs) thanks for spreading a little knowledge on me. (laughs) Uh, Likewise, Todd. This this is really great. I think what we need to do is uh, get out our cans of OK Soda, stroll back over to the bar, and see if we can't mix ourselves an interesting cocktail. I think we should. And, um, you know, I'm not going to use any Cheetos lip balm this time. That just is not going to play well. No, I don't think so either. Back to the bar. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading! Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show, or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.